This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Good morning, City on a Hill. Anyone out there? Good morning. It's really good to be with you this morning. Um, we left Joburg this morning and I got in the car. I, I have the privilege of traveling with my youngest son and then I've brought two other guests with me. Uh, Jeff and Amy van Leeuwen, and uh, it's just a privilege to not travel alone. And uh, you might be wondering, Anton, are you married? Yes, I am married. I've got three sons. I am married, but my wife is uh, busy anchoring the meeting in Johannesburg. Um, we lead, uh, we've got the privilege of leading a beautiful community called Upper Room Church in uh, Santon, Bryanston. We're like on the edge of Santon, on the edge of Bryanston. So when people ask me, where are you from? It's difficult to say. It's, it's basically on the border of Santon and Bryanston. Um, but this morning I got in the car and uh, it was seven degrees Celsius. And I thought, oh, it's cold this morning. And then I got out the car here and I want to say, leave sister. <laughs> like what is going on here, Mensa? It is properly cold here. <laughs> My son put his hoodie on and put his sleeves over his hands, like shaking like this. Dad, I need a hot chocolate. But we are here. And uh, I want to say just to the eldership team here, thank you for, for inviting me. And you don't even know me. You are risking big time. <laughs> Malcolm will fix all the problems later. Uh, but uh, you know what? I, I don't know too many of you here this morning but one thing that I can that I can that I can sense straight away as I come here is I can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit I can sense that as a community of believers you are hungry for the things of God and even in worship there's just such a beautiful sensitivity to the person of the Holy Spirit beautiful 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 presence of the Holy Spirit and I don't know how many years ago I, I came here. I came here with Greg Garrett, and uh, I was just, I was carrying his bag. <laughs> no, I wasn't carrying his bag. I was just, I, was just, I joined Greg here. He ministered uh, with City on a Hill, and Mark brought us to this, this plot of land. And to be very specific, we stood somewhere around here, like here. And there wasn't a building here. Um, but I stood here with Greg and with Mark, and Mark, you know, you all know Mark, he was just bubbling, like just like full of excitement, this is what God is doing, this is what God is saying, and to stand here this morning and to look at what God has done is just a testimony of seeing the goodness of God in the land of the living, and in, in, in worship, I just, in worship, I just, I, I was just enjoying the presence of the Lord, and I felt the Holy Spirit just drop something in my heart. I felt him ask this question, and I believe, well, I not believe, I believe this is a question for City on a Hill. And the question is this, will this place become a monument, or will this place become a, a facility that will, that will facilitate a revival? Will this place become a monument a monument that testifies to what God has done, or will this place be a place that will facilitate a revival? And here's the thing. Religion builds monuments. The Spirit of God 
brings revival. Let me say that again. Religion builds monuments. The Spirit of God brings revivals. And I want to say to you, you are a people about the Word of God, but about the Spirit of God as well. And this morning, there's many, many things that I want to say, so Jesus help me. But I've just come to realize more and more that I can have my agenda, you can have your agenda, but sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we have our agenda and God wants us to prepare and God wants us to get ready and God wants us to be a people that study the word of God and to have our words and our preach in our pockets. But even now, just two weeks ago, I was in Ethiopia and I had my preach in the pocket. I was ready to preach. And on my way to this meeting, the Lord said, put your notes away. Put your notes away. I've got something else. And in worship, we were worshiping together and I had my notes ready. But the Lord said, put them away. So I kept them in my bag. And uh, I said, okay, Jesus, I need a message now. Stood up. They invited me like Mark just did. Well, not Mark, like Gareth just did. He invited me up. They invited me up. And I stood up there and I said, Jesus, any moment now, message, please. Any moment now, message, please. And I was just chit-chatting like I'm doing now. And the Lord said to me, read this scripture. And I read the scripture, and as I began to read the scripture, the Spirit of God came and began to just fall in the, in the meeting. People started manifesting. People started coming to the front. I wasn't preaching. I was just sensitive to what the Spirit of God was saying and what the Spirit of God was doing. Wasn't that exactly how Jesus ministered? I only do what I see my Father doing, and I only speak what I hear my Father say. I'll rather have that agenda than my agenda. I love running, and let me, let me first say this. I felt the Lord just say to me a number of years ago when my first son was born, I, I had this, this, this moment of realization of, sure, I've just become a parent. Anyone ever been there? Like, this is actually real. I've become a parent, and in the state of, of, of panic, and in the state of, I've never been here before, Lord, what do I do? I prayed and I said, Lord, I, I want my son, I want my children to count. I want my kids to matter for the kingdom. I said, I said, Lord, how? How? How do I raise revivalists? And I feel there are parents even here this morning that have asked the same questions. You've had prophetic words over your children, prophetic words that God is raising them up to reach an entire generation. God has, God has said this over your child. God has called them to be great preachers, God, great ministers, ministers of, of the Spirit, great orators of the Word of God. All these different words. If that's you, just, just wave at me. And you're praying and you're saying, Lord, how do I raise this child? How do I, how do I parent these prophetic words over my children? And I feel I want to just encourage you. The Lord says the way you raise revivalists is you raise them in the presence of the Lord. You raise them in the presence of the Lord. You raise them. You, you bring them up being familiar with Scripture, but you also bring them up knowing and distinguishing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I remember at the age of three, traveling like my, uh, like my son with my father. Uh, we went to Swaziland. I was three years old. My, uh, we didn't have much money. Um, we really struggled financially. But my dad saw something of God upon my life, and he said, I'm not just going to... 
I'm not just going to let that thing go. I'm going to bring him into this. I'm going to bring him into this. I want to say to you those words as a parent. Be faithful with those words. Bring them into the reality of what it looks like to be found in the presence of the Almighty. Bring them up into what it looks like to be studying the Word of God. It's Word and Spirit. And I remember as a three-year-old playing with my little dinky toys on the stage in a, in a massive, massive tent. And while I was playing with my little cars, I saw people getting healed. I saw people getting saved. I saw people getting delivered. And something of, of, of what is normal was brought into my existence. And I want to say to parents here this morning, the way you raise revivalists is you raise them in the presence of the Lord. Amen? So I love running, and I often run, I do trail runnings out in Michalisburg. Most Saturday mornings I'm out there, I'm running. And uh, on the way here, um, Jeff drove, and I just popped off for like 10 minutes. I just fell asleep. And as I fell asleep, I felt the Lord just show me a picture or, or bring back to remembrance something that I saw. The one day I was running on this little trail, this little path, and I spotted a snare, just a snare for catching buck or animals. And as I, as I looked at this snare in this dream, I realized that the Lord is wanting to say something to people here this morning. I woke up and I felt the Lord say to me that the snare of religion is something that will keep you captive. You'll think you are free. You'll still live outdoors, but your movement will be restricted. Your movement will be restricted. You've started this series. I, uh, uh, Gareth just mentioned it to me of life in the Spirit. I want to say to you that one of the greatest keys to life in the Spirit is staying free of religion. Is staying free of religion. Jesus did not pay this ultimate price to bring us into a superior version of religion. He paid the ultimate price so that we can be free. Truth will set you free. But living with truth, He is the Spirit of truth, will keep you free. And I want to ask this question this morning, just because you have nice lights and good sound and lively music does not automatically mean you have not fallen for the snare of religion. We associate religion with stained glass windows. But have you become religious in your approach and in your, in your, in your pursuit to keeping free? Or are you allowing the spirit of truth to truly keep you free? And so this morning, I want to I I preach... The Lord Jesus was gracious, and he did give me a message prior to this morning, but he only told me to preach this message this morning, and I've entitled this message, Breaking the Rules of Religion. Breaking the Rules of Religion. I want to tell you, Jesus has called you to break the rules of religion. Jesus has called you not to religion, he's called you to relationship, Amen. Do you really believe that? So I want to say three things and then we're going to read. If you can please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. The first thing that I want to say this morning is breaking the rules of religion 
starts with understanding that religion will always tell you what you should look like and what you should do. And one of the first things that you will experience when you break the rules of religion is you will break the rules of religion and it will bring you into an incredible freedom in life of the Spirit. Secondly, the thing that I want to say is breaking the rules of religion will not be a once-off event. Please hear what I'm saying. Breaking the rules of religion isn't going to be a once-off event. I remember in 2012, and this is what I want to just, I wanted to share a testimony and then we'll go further. In, 20, in 2012, I was part of an apostolic prophetic team. I was on an eldership team. And I served the Lord for many, many years prior to that. But in 2012, I realized that I was caught in the snare of religion. Being an elder and being on an apostolic team, being in a Christian household, but I realized I was ensnared by religion. End of 2012, I prayed a prayer and I wrote it in my journal. And I didn't just pray it with a nice poetic slant. I prayed it with tears coming out of my eyes and wetting my page. I prayed this simple prayer. I said, Jesus, there must be more than this. That's what I prayed. There must be more than this. End of 2012. Beginning of, 20, 20, beginning of 2013, I'll never forget it. I was a frustrated elder. I was a frustrated team member. And I was honestly considering stepping out of the ministry and never to return. I walked into Greenstone Shopping Center and I wasn't praying. I wasn't fasting. I wasn't even seeking, seeking an awareness to the Spirit of God. And I can take you today to the place that this, where this happened to me. I was walking and sent me to the shopping center to go and get something for one of our sons to a discam. And I was walking like this. And as I took a, a step onto the pavement, I stepped out of this realm into God's realm. I became aware of the presence of God like I've never had before. It was like I stepped out of the natural into the supernatural. And for all of that, that next year, God took me from one encounter to the next encounter. In February uh, 2013, whether I was awake or whether I was asleep, I was constantly aware of the presence of the Lord. David prays and he says, my heart and flesh cries out to the living God. My, my heart was aware of the presence of the Lord. My, my body physically was aware of the presence of the Lord 24-7. And one day in February 2013, I was enjoying the presence of the Lord. I would walk with God. I would just, I would just be encountering Him all day, every day. I would walk and I would stand in shopping center lines. Some of you are thinking, sheesh, this guy just spends time at shopping centers. I don't. But I would, I would be standing in a, in a line to pay for a parking ticket or whatever, and people would growl at me because the presence of the Lord came upon them. I was just hosting the presence of the Lord. And that's, what, that's how I lived. And one, one day in February, I was enjoying God's presence, and uh, that evening came, and I said to Ange, I'm going to bed. And as I was going to bed, I was just tangibly aware of God's presence. He wasn't telling me anything. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't highlighting anything to me. I was just aware of the presence of the Lord. 
and I sat on the corner of my bed like this, and I was just enjoying the presence of the Lord, and I, I lay down, I put my head on the pillow, and I was enjoying the presence of the Lord. I was aware of God with me, God in me, God around me, God just over me, and I fell asleep. And as I was sleeping, I was aware of the presence of the Lord. But then something very interesting happened. I was lying on my back like this, and the presence of the Lord was radiating. In the same way that you'd lie in the sun, not like today, and you would feel the sun's rays beating down upon you, and you'll, you'll be aware of the fact that the sun is on, on a certain side of you. I was lying on my back, and I could sense the presence of the Lord just radiating. Just from the right into me. I could sense the presence of the Lord just coming into me. And it got so intense that I couldn't sleep anymore. I couldn't sleep anymore. I had to wake up. And as I woke up, I turned to my right to try and figure out what was going on. And right beside my bed stood a man with blue-white light. And his presence came out of him and came into me. And it was infusing me. And he stood there for about eight seconds and I don't know to this day why I did this, but I looked at this man, and I stretched out my hand to him. As I stretched my hand out to him, he disappeared, but his presence remained, just infusing me with his presence. I'm still aware of him. I'm still aware of him. And I was, I was so startled by what, what, what was happening, I was trying to figure out what was happening, and in that moment of trying to figure out what was happening, an earthquake hit our house. A tremor came through our house and woke my wife. It went, <laughs> Anton, why are you sharing this? At 2.30 this morning, a tremor hit our house, or hit the whole of Johannesburg. Magnitude 4.8 or 5. And as I woke up this morning, I felt the Lord say to me that I'm waking my church. I'm waking my church I'm waking my, ch my church from the slumber of religion into an awareness of encounter. I'm waking my church. I'm freeing my church from the snare of religion. Just close your eyes. The Spirit of God is here. Spirit of God is here. I just come against any and every snare of religion right now in the name of Jesus. Father God, your word says that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I thank you that this house will not experience the snare of religion, but they will experience what it means to live a life in the Spirit. I want to read this passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 5. After this, verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name Levi at his, tax at his tax booth. Follow me, said Jesus to him. And Levi got up and left everything and followed him. 
Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees, listen to this, but the Pharisees, who did the Pharisees represent? They represent the religious. <laughs> but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and those who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples like the religious always do. The religious spirit will always complain. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Why did they complain? Because what Jesus did was very strange to them. I want to tell you the Lord is going to call this house to do some things and the religious spirit will come up against you and they'll say, why do you do these things? Shouldn't you do that? Shouldn't you do this? Why do you associate with this and associate with this group of people and associate with these people? Shouldn't you do this? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus, won't you restore this to the church, this heart to the church? I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. I believe the Lord is going to call this house to a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. I don't know if you, if you are already doing it. Some of you are visiting here today and you're looking to your wife or to your husband and you're saying, let's get out of here. I ain't praying and I ain't fasting as a lifestyle. The Lord is going to call this house to more prayer and more fasting. He told them this parable, no one tears a piece, a piece, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wines, both wineskins will be ruined. No, no, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. No one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. Listen to this. For they say, they say, here's the religious again, they say, the old is better. The old is better. I don't know about you, but the longer I've walked with Jesus, and I'm still wet behind the ears, but the longer I'm, I'm walking with Jesus, the more I realize how non-religious Jesus is. It's the church that makes Jesus religious. <laughs> it's the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of Jesus that will keep us free from religion. Just, just when you think you figure Jesus out, just when you think, well, I've now matured in the faith, and just when you think I'm not religious anymore, <laughs> Jesus comes and he shows you how religious you have become. 
Let me give you a few examples from this passage of Scripture in how Jesus broke the rules of religion. Number one, Levi was a tax collector. (laughs) What on earth has that got to do with breaking the rules of religion? Levi was a tax collector. Sometimes we read Scripture and we read over things that carry great spiritual significance, and if we truly become sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord, He will begin to give you spiritual and and historical context that will change the way you view Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? Levi was a tax collector. Okay, Anton, what does that matter? How does that matter? Tax collectors were the scum of the earth. Think of the the, the scummiest person in our society. I'm not going to say anything, but you think. you, You think of the scummiest person that you can possibly think of. Levi was one like that. Why, will, why, why, was, why was tax collectors the scum of the earth? Well, tax collectors worked alongside the colonial, the, the, the Roman colonial government. And so what would happen was the, the Roman government would take a census of, of a certain region or an area. They would calculate how many people lived in this area, and then they would calculate how much tax would, 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 would need to come in per area. And then they would sell the rights to, to gathering the tax to the tax collectors. Tax collectors worked alongside this Roman government and they were completely disloyal to Israel. We think corruption is bad today. Well, corruption was probably worse back then. Backhand deals, fierceness, Intimidation was just part of the tools of the trade for the tax collectors. All the money the tax collectors could bring in over and above what the Roman government dictated per region, the tax collector would put in his back pocket. So tax collectors were very wealthy people, very, very wealthy people. Fear and intimidation was what they used to get tax out of people. So if you saw, if you were walking down the road and you saw a tax collector, you better not make eye contact with him. They were hated. They were the scum of the earth. And Jesus walks with his disciples and he looks at a man and he sees a man at at his tax booth. He sees Matthew. He sees a scum, the scum of the earth, sitting in his wickedness. And what does Jesus do? He says, hey, Levi, come follow me. Hey, Levi, come be my disciple. Hey, Levi, come come do some on-the-job training with me. Jesus breaks the rules of religion by calling the scum of the earth into full-time ministry. And you can just imagine his disciples, or if if you were one of Jesus' disciples when you were walking with him on that day, and you looked at what Jesus did, you can just imagine some of us. We would have gone to Jesus and gone, hey Jesus, I noticed this morning you woke up before the sun rose. Are you okay? Are you feeling okay? Stomach problem. Did you have a rough night, Jesus? Do you know who that man is? 
That man, Jesus, is a tax collector. He's the scum. We shouldn't even talk to him. Jesus says, hey, Levi, come follow me. Come, in, come into full-time ministry. How much ministry experience did Levi have? Nothing. How much ministry knowledge did, G, did, did Levi have? Nothing. I think if Jesus called a Levi today in many churches, we would have stopped Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, we would have used spiritual language and it would have sounded something like this. We would have said to Jesus, hey, Jesus, I so love your prophetic gift. I so love it, Jesus. You see Levi sitting in his wickedness and you are able, Jesus, to see this, this man's prophetic future. Is he part of your 10-year plan? 10-year plan to get restored, to get healed, to get, to get trained, and then he will become a good Christian. I don't think, I don't think disciple Jesus. I think let's just, I mean, let's just, we've got to be wise, Jesus. I'm just, I'm being real. Because, listen, I've been part of church for many years. And I've heard this language in churches. But Jesus says, Levi, come follow me. Come and do on-the-job training with me. Jesus didn't say, hey, Levi, come follow me. But wait, I know you want to, but before you come follow me, go to synagogue and just go and sort yourself out. No, no, no. Tax collectors weren't even allowed in synagogue. That's how scummy they were. And Jesus says, come, follow me. Now, come, follow me. Isn't that amazing? Jesus breaks the rules of religion time and time again. Let me, let me, let me say something that I know has offended people. But you can talk to Gareth. Maybe we think, maybe, just maybe, maybe we think we need special training before we can be effective because we are not on the job with Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, we think we need to go to the school of supernatural ministry and this school of whatever you want to call to become effective. What about Levi? Anton, are you against training? No. If that is what you are hearing, I want to make it loud and clear, I am not against training. I think training has a place in a body. But if we are hiding behind our training and never become effective on the job with Jesus, we are missing the point. We are missing the point. Because often our definition of, of effective Christianity or of effective new, new covenant Christi Christianity is, well, when I get in my car, Anton, I listen to Bethel. I listen to Hillsong and I feel the presence of the Lord and then I get out of my car. <laughs> and then I don't. <laughs> then I don't. You know what happened to me once? I was in America and I was, I was at a school of supernatural ministry. And I was enjoying the presence of the Lord in an incredible worship time. And the worship time ended. 
and I had to walk home. I didn't have transport, and it was about a six-kilometer walk back home. And I put in my iPod, I put my earpods in, and I was listening to the presence of, well, not the presence of the Lord, I was just enjoying the presence of the Lord, listening to good Christian music, enjoying His presence. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, Anton, I want you to pick any secular music. I want to speak to you. And I started debating with the Holy Spirit. I said, Holy Spirit, but I can't. Because I encounter you in worship. I encounter you when it's Christian music. It's my little Christian bubble, Holy Spirit. Don't upset this bubble. And as I was debating with the Holy Spirit, in a, in a, in a place of knowing Him, in a place of walking with Him, in a place of awareness of Him, I debated with Him and His presence lifted off me. And I broke. I broke. And I still walked about two, three hundred meters in this brokenness, completely unaware of the Holy Spirit. And then I realized I better respond. And I put on Mumford and Sons. <laughs> and I kid you not, five seconds into the first song, the Spirit of the Lord came upon me. The problem was I still had about five, five kilometers home and I looked like a drunk man. I struggled to walk straight. I was laughing uncontrollably. I was crying uncontrollably. And there was snot and tears all over the road. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you've become a religious about my presence. We want to be a people that see revival. We want to be a people that encounter the Holy Spirit. But is it on our terms? Is it, is it around our spiritual conditions? Because I want to tell you the kind of revival that the Lord is wanting to bring to this land will not just be in buildings. It will be wherever you go. Because there's revival in you. That is the, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. He brings revival here. I think it was Jonathan Edwards that prayed. He said, or he preached this. He said, for revival to come to earth, revival must first come to the heart of man. I am a carrier of revival. You are a carrier of revival because you are a host of the presence of the Lord. I really got distracted. Levi had no training. He simply responded to Jesus' call. He had no training. He simply responded to Jesus' call and he used what he had. Anton, what did Levi have? He had zero ministry experience. He's never walked with Jesus. He, he may have heard of Jesus, but Scripture doesn't tell us that. But he used what he had. What did he have? He had great wealth and he had a house. He responded to Jesus calling him and what does he do? It says he leaves everything to follow Jesus and what does he do? He arranges the biggest party at his house. And who does he invite? All the people that listen to Christian music. No. 
He, he invited fellow tax collectors and sinners to his house. Talk about kingdom influence. The Lord says to you this morning, he says, use what you have. Respond to me. Respond to the spirit of the Lord, but use what you have. What have you got in your hands? If you have a home or you live under a roof, put up your hand. Use what you have. And you can just imagine what happened on that day. Levi invites all his tax collect, all the tax collectors and all the sinners, all his cronies to his house, and they have this incredible party. And, and these fellow tax collectors and sinners, you can just imagine it. They come up to Levi and they say to Levi, Levi, do you know who that is? That's Jesus. It's those weird guys. It's those weird people. What on earth are you doing? And you can just imagine, you can just imagine Levi's response. Something like this. I don't understand at all what I'm doing. But when that man called me, something in me became alive. And I couldn't remain the same. I couldn't, I couldn't. I can't stay behind my tax collector's booth. I cannot stay in my wickedness. Come, let me introduce you to the man that said, come follow me and change my life forever. Talk about kingdom influence. Jesus breaks the rules of religion. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is also where it gets very, very interesting. The grace of God will always offend the religious spirit. The grace of God will always offend the religious mind. You see, the grace of God needs no preparation. If the grace of God needed preparation, then what about Matthew? Matthew goes from scoundrel, where his name changes to Levi, which means what? Which means gift of Yahweh. He goes from scoundrel to gift of Yahweh instantly, like this. Grace of God. We all want to see the grace of God. We all want to experience the grace of God. But are we willing to extend the grace of God? Are we willing to open our homes to tax collectors and sinners to say, come and meet, come and meet, come and meet the man that called me, that set me free from my wickedness, that set me free from my religious trap, my religious snare, come and meet him. Now, I need, some, um, I need some theological license here. I believe Levi was the founder of inviting, inviting the lost to the table of the Lord, Ministries International. We can't hide in our cars, in our little worship bubbles. We need to invite people, people. Come and meet the man that called me. Religion will, will always oppose the grace of God. The Pharisees got angry with Jesus. Why did they get angry with Jesus? That the, that the Pharisees, did they get angry with Jesus because Jesus was so harsh towards Levi? Question. Did they get angry with Jesus because Jesus wasn't as, you know, 
clear-cut black and white towards Levi. Levi, you are in wickedness. Levi, you are destined to hell. Fix yourself. Did they get angry with Jesus because Jesus did that? No. They got angry with Jesus because of, because of the grace that Jesus extended to people like Levi and many others. Jesus, surely Levi first needs to go and fix himself up. Jesus, how can you call someone into full-time ministry so quickly? Jesus, here's another, here's another barrier. Why? 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 Jesus was ready for their question with an incredible answer. And it's an answer I believe the church needs to come back today. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. <laughs> I didn't come to make right the righteous. I've come to make right those that are in their wickedness. That's what Jesus said. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've called to come to call sinners to repentance. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. The way that Jesus views the world is often very different to the way the church views the world. We view the world as it's a bad place. We view the world of, as, as, as an, it's such a wicked place neighborhood that we're living in it's such a wicked people that we're surrounded with yes you're right the reason they like that is because they are lost the reason they like that is because they don't know this jesus that's why what does jesus say jesus says you are a city on a hill what does jesus say he says you are a lamp on a lampstand. What does Jesus say? Freely you have been given. Freely go and give. Come follow me, Levi. God does not work through legalism. He works through grace. He does not work through legalism. He works through grace. And here's the thing. The grace of God creates new ways among the people of God. I love how the Word of God prepares us. It prepares us. Jesus on one day looks at Levi, calls Levi into full-time ministry. Straight after that, what does Jesus do? He talks about the wine and the wineskin. The grace of God creates new ways among the people of God. They come to Jesus straight after this, at this party, and these religious people look at Jesus and they begin to accuse Jesus. They begin to question Jesus. They say, Jesus, our disciples fast. John's disciples fast. Why don't your disciples fast? Do you hear the religious mind? Do you, really, do you hear the religious spirit? Jesus has two answers to their question. Answer number one. He says, boys, you have your timing all wrong. I want to say that again. You religious, you have your timing completely wrong. How many times do churches have their timing completely off? 
because we're trying to fulfill a religious duty. We have to do it a certain way. We have to sing a certain way. We have to interact. We have to look a certain way. The other day, I went to a meeting and the Lord said to me, Anton, I want you to preach with a cap on. Okay, put a cap on. Did I not feel the religious spirit? Got off the stage. The first thing wasn't, hey, it's a good word. It's, hey, why did you wear a cap? We have our timing wrong. Jesus says, you fasting, John's disciples are fasting. You've got your timing wrong. How can you fast when the bridegroom is amongst you? A time will come. A time will come when you will fast, when the bridegroom is no longer with you. Second answer is this. Jesus says, you cannot take an, an old piece of cloth and put it on a new cloth. You cannot pour new wine into an old wineskin. Oh, sorry, old, new wine into an old wineskin, yeah. You can't do it. What's Jesus saying? We need to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Tradition will become our downfall if we do not keep in step with the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, the, the Pharisees looked at John's disciples. Let me, let me just unpack this a little bit more. The Pharisees looked at John's disciples, and they looked at John's disciples, and they must have gone, these guys are completely off their heads. They fast, they pray, they just look like wild people. We are traditional. We are religious. They looked at John's disciples, and they were, they were like, like, what's going on here? Jesus says, I didn't come to follow John's disciples, and I didn't come to follow your disciples. I'm calling you to something completely different. Here's the thing. Jesus exposes or brings to our attention something that is in the heart of man. He exposes something that is in the heart of man. And this is it. People are suckers for religion. Why? Because with religion, we can control people. With religion, we feel comfortable. With religion, we can predict what is coming. With religion, we can have things our way. What does Jesus say? Listen to this again. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. No one after drinking old wine wants the new. This is the, this is the, the condition that Jesus exposes in the hearts of people. For they say, the old is better. So we're running on a trail with Jesus. Religion is that snare. It ensnares us. We're still living under an, under an open heaven, but our movement is restricted. We're at we attached to an anchor. It is the Spirit of God that will keep us free. It is the Spirit of God that will keep us free. I don't know wine, but apparently at a certain age, wine becomes stable. Its alcoholic content becomes stable. 
and to understand this parable of Jesus, of the, of the wine and the wineskin, to truly understand it, you've got to understand how, how wine was fermented back in the day. Back in the day, they didn't ferment wine in big vats. They, fer they fermented the wine in wineskins, leather. And so they would take new wine and they would pour it into new wineskins. And what would take place in that wineskin is in that wineskin, the wine would begin to ferment. There would be a process of fermentation that would take place in that wineskin and it would expand the skin. If you took new wine and you placed the new wine in an old wineskin, the wineskin has already come to its place of expansion where it cannot expand anymore. And so you would fill new wine into an old wineskin. The capacity of that wineskin is already reached. And with the new wine being in that wineskin, it will stretch the, the wineskin to its complete capacity and it would just burst. Here's the thing. If we try and package, try and package a move of God's spirit on the earth today and place our labels on it, we'll always bring limitation. Always. Always. It is truth that will set you free. It is living with truth that will keep you free. There's a, there's a famous song that, I, that I'm going to sing. No. There's a famous song that was written many, many years ago. It was written by name, a man named Isaac Watts. Who knows that man? Only two, two people, three people, four people. Anyone else? I see that hand. Isaac Watts wrote a, a very, very famous song, and it goes something like this. When I survey the wondrous cross, we're all going, that's a beautiful song. How many of you know that that song was rejected in churches for many, many years? Why? Because it wasn't singing scripture directly. Old wine tastes better. We try and limit what God is wanting to do. We try and package what God is wanting to do. I want to say to this community of believers, God has called you to break the rules of religion. And the only way you break the rules of religion is when you walk in step with the Spirit of God. Amen. <laughs> Gareth, can I pray for us? I wonder if we can all just close our eyes. My testimony, I've got a very powerful testimony. It's not, it's not powerful because Jesus saved me from drugs. It's not powerful because Jesus saved me from an horrific accident or whatever picture might come to your mind. It's powerful because Jesus saved me from religion. Thanks for joining us for today's message. 
Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.